Welcome to 15 to Life, the podcast that talks about life after life in prison. Come with us on a journey and explore stories from within the prison walls to outside the prison walls. All of these podcasts are dedicated to the victims of crime. What's up, everyone? How's it going? Welcome to another episode of 15 to Life, the podcast where we talk about life after having a life sentence. And this is going to be part two of the interview with Johnny Boy. And this is a very long segment. So each Wheaties take a, a bathroom break. This one's over an hour. Uh, and it's because we're talking about 20 plus years of incarceration. And this is only until he is technically released from prison. And then the next segment is going to be talking about what freedom he had and um, the time he spent, which was an additional few years in ICE or immigration. So this is a lot. Uh, break it down into bites. But this really goes into detail of what it is to be a lifer in prison and more importantly, going through that process i really encourage you even if you're going to skip through some of this listen to the end because there's a lot of deep diving nuggets into what a lifer goes through to get found suitable to be paroled so without further ado let's jump into it may 2 1993 and that was like man it's it's i don't know i can't even to this day i don't i don't even know how to describe that feeling like knowing you know what because, you know, I got I got used to the county jail. Right. I got used to the county jail and that, that type of being locked up indoors 24 hours a day down there. Then the stories that I hear about prison is, is open. You can do this. You can do that. But at the same time, people are, are getting stabbed. People get, you know, get raped, shit like that. I was like, man, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready for this. You know, I'm, I'm telling myself that. But for everybody else that, around me that I'm talking to, oh, man, let's do this. Right. Because you know, yeah. I, I don't I don't care how big you are, how many tattoos you have. The first time, the first time you get locked up, there's I'm sure there's there's some fear. There's some fear. You know, I, I ain't gonna lie. I did like I said, two years in county, and and I was ready to go, but they rushed it. Like I was, everyone else took like two months to like after sentencing. They took me the next freaking day and I was like, yeah, hold right. on, man. I didn't have time to like, I, I bought all this stuff to hustle off. And so, so, yeah, it was, it was bad, but I, I was pumped up to go, but it was scary, especially going to San Quentin. It was scary for me, but, but I was ready just cause yeah, County sucked, man. And I heard all that stuff about being able to yeah. cook and have a TV and a radio. I was like, Ooh, I need to get there, man. If I'm say, the rest I, of my I, life mean, I was ready. Here, I, yeah. I was ready to go because the stuff that they said that you could do, but at the yeah. same time, when you hear like the ugly, that's the good side of the story. But when you see, when you hear the bad side of the story, like damn, for real, I was like, okay. So I mean, of course, I'm nervous, right? And, How much did you get schooled and, 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 on the, the the other car and everything? Like what you would be going into? Uh in the county, in the unit that I was in, there was three Asians: an older Japanese guy, an older Japanese guy. There was a, a Cambodian guy. And uh, Vietnamese guy and and me and me, so a total of four. And um, they all the Cambodian barely spoke any English. The Vietnamese guy he's always in gambling, and the, and, and the Japanese guy he was also into uh, gambling. So I see ninety nine percent of the time it was just me. I you know I just chill, you know 
chopping up with with the blacks uh, uh, because it's a it's in Stockton, right? So the people that's in it are Northerners, right? And mm-hmm. the blacks and there's people yeah. I, I seen from high school with. So I just I just kick it with them. I kick it with them bullshit. And then when it's time to eat, I go eat with the Asian, even though the language barrier when it comes to eating, when it's time it comes time to eat, you don't even have to talk. Let's just eat. You so, so your 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 crimeys weren't in the same unit with you. No, they had they had a, a KSF on all of us. They had to keep separated from. Yeah. Which is, but then when we go to court, we're all together. We're all on the right. same bus. We put us all the whole same holding tank. So we're like, we're trying to tell them, hey, look, I said <laughs> white. Because I remember I asked them, I said, can you remove the KSF? Because we don't have a problem with each other. You see, we're all together. Look. Right, yeah, right, but right. you have to talk to classification. It, it just it says in our paper here, KSF, and although you guys get along, whatever, you you have to take that up with them. That's not our job. I go, okay, whatever. So, but, they, but the, the older, the older, the older uh, Japanese guy, he he was schooling me a little bit of prison um, for the others, for the Asians. But then yeah. a lot of the other, the blacks, the whites, the, the Mexican, you know, uh, they they schooled me to on uh, what to expect and 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 you know how to navigate the system, pretty much. Yeah, it it was funny. The first the first person that schooled me on it was actually a northerner dude. And he was like, dude, you're you're freaking Peruvian, man. You can run other if you want. I was like, what the hell's other? <laughs> He's like, man, it's like Puerto Ricans and Dominicans and Jamaicans and freaking Filipinos and all the Asians and the Samoans and the Polynesians. And I'm like, oh yeah? I was like, that's like all the people I hang out with anyway. And he's like, yeah, you can run other, so you'd be cool. He's like, Every, everything else sucks. <laughs> that's what they're saying. Yeah, that's what he's saying. Because that's what they're saying too. Because look, are you, are you Asian? Man? You're good, right? You're like so. They had a, he, there was a saying that he told me. He said, he goes, "Cause you Asian, right?" I said, "Yeah." He goes, "You can't." He said, "You can't go Wong when you're a Wong, right?" <laughs> I was like, "Oh, okay, that's some fucking some Asian fucking racist shit, right?" <laughs> you can't go Wong when you're a Wong. But it took it's you know it took a minute to register. I mean, like I said, they, they can they can only tell you so much about how it is. But you'll never yeah, really yeah. experience. I mean, you'll never really know until you actually experience it. Well, and yeah, and when so people it's ask like me, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm absorbing them. everything. Yeah, I think everyone has their own shit when they get there, right? I mean, yeah. Regardless what so, you're told, I mean, you're so what, what, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it. You'll never really know until you actually experience it. So you actually experience it. Because they gave me the rundown, okay, the whole process when I go through reception and DVI. You know, I was expecting this, I was expecting that. DVI I mean, is some, uh, yeah, some Tracy, by the way. Yeah, it's, yeah, uh, dual vocational institution in Tracy. And I lived in that San Joaquin area, San Joaquin Valley, that area. Man, I didn't even know there was a prison right there. It was crazy. <laughs> like, so it was, yeah, it was me and, and my two crimes in, in the, were all in the, on the bus. And they're like, man, where's this shit at? I, mean, I don't even know. And then they made that turn. Before you know it, we started getting closer to the prison. I'm like, yeah, here we start new home for right now. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> never and even so, knew I drove through that highway. Many times, never even knew that shit was there. So, so you guys get to DVI, and, and what's that like? Like literally, first prison you're you're landing at, 
like what's that process like to get to your cell and all that good stuff oh we man we had to go through the process of the reception center first um uh first off the bus um you had to do the, the the usual you know strip search go through the strip search they put you in the holding tank i mean i i recall uh we was we was butt naked in the in the, in the holding tank for a good minute before they came with a roll yeah they came with a roll and and with our jumpsuit, the reception, uh, jumpsuit, RC, jumpsuits, then um, they were calling us individually to do the medical screening and all that, which took fucking forever. And then your property, which you didn't have too much anyways, because yeah. you know, coming, you're coming from jail. So they put your shit in a brown, in a brown paper bag, a commissary bag, mm-hmm. uh, with, your name in your, with your name and your new uh, identification number, your CDC number. <laughs> K number for me. K, K you know what I mean. Four two. K zero K zero four eight nine nine. Zero. Yeah. No, that I'm thinking PJ's number. Because both you guys had K numbers. <laughs> yeah, he had a K number too. Yeah, I remember. Um, we're all in the grassy area, right? Like these, um, the, the, the people from reception, and then it was me and my crimeys, right? And then uh, the the water sprinkler came on. I'm like fuck, you know, like rushing, and you could see like the people in the blue. You know, the mainliners were like laughing and shit like that. I'm like, oh, you motherfucker, <laughs> fucking mainliners, right? And then there was an asshole. Look, I'll never forget this guy, correctional officer. His name was Carrillo, right? Uh, we're in the um, the holding tank in the process through. Man, he talked so much shit to me and my homeboy. He's talking about what, like he asking me, what country are you from? The Philippines. And he was talking shit like, when you get out of here, get the fuck out of my country. Right? He was talking shit, but he's like yelling. Then he got to my and then he got to my homeboy, right? He said, Where are you? He goes, Where are you from? He goes, I'm from Kamut. He said, You get the fuck out of my country too. When you get out of here. And then the the main that's that's what he does to the for the first timers, right? Yeah. He talks so much shit. But um the the main line or the people that's been through the system they're behind him like like they're like just don't even listen to him he's just like that yeah but at Which the same crazy time because that, but at the same time that kind of shit right there like if one of y'all came out and stabbed him you're gonna end up screwing up any possibility of getting out and stuff and for what he he's antagonist you know what i mean and so i mean people need to understand uh a lot of shit that you see in movies really does happen, right? But it happens on a stretched out timeline, right? Like you, you watch a movie and in five minutes, 20 people get stabbed to death. There's a riot and then the dude gets released the next day. Like it don't happen like that, but that kind of bullshit happens. Like, I mean, who, what the fuck, man? Like to say all that shit to you guys, that's bullshit, man. Yeah, because um, <laughs> I mean, the way, the way he was like yelling, the way he sounded, was like, man, hella disrespectful. And this is the point, of, this is the only thing Right. I mean, everybody was listening. Everybody, all eyes was on, all eyes was on us. Bro. Yeah, but of course, we're not gonna fight. We're yeah. not gonna fight. I heard about that guy too, Carilla. Right? That's how he is. Like first timers. But my second experience with him, I mean, he was, he was cool. He was cool as fuck. Right? He was he was cool as fuck. Like, like, like he flipped the switch. Like, yeah. I, I was like, man, I remember you. You were an asshole to me, man. All of a sudden, you hella, you hella cool. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just but you know it's, it's it's what he does though you know what i mean 
It's what he does. That's what he's known for. Uh, first timers, he go in there, talks hella shit to them, pump them up, see where they're at, try to test them and shit. See, see, try to get you to buy. I remember he said some shit like, "Look, I don't have no, I don't have no baton, I don't have no pepper spray." I remember him saying that I don't have nothing. Right, like, like you want some of this? Come get this, right? I'm like, man, I'm not gonna buy. It. I'm not that sick. But I was mad though the way he was talking to us though. Oh yeah, I would be too. Oh well, yeah, I will never forget that. Carrillo, Officer Carrillo. So, so C-O you, Carrillo. You finally get your bed rolls and all that shit. You get in there. How how long were you in DVI before you finally got sent to a a regular main line? The main line, uh, May two to June sixteenth. May two to June sixteenth. Pretty cool. And then. Yeah, it was, which is good because yeah, I I came there in May. It was hot as hell in the cell. <laughs> Man, DVI was hotter than hell, right? And and so, um, you know how you go through, you see your counselor and they tell you, you know, trans, you know, trans pack, whatever. Yeah. Oh, you've been endorsed. I'm, I'm, yeah, so I'm trying to remember. Yeah. I'm trying to remember the the lingo, you know, the, <laughs> the language of you know CDs, you know, when you're behind bars. I was endorsed. To level four high desert. Like, what the, I was like, what's that? At? Like, Susanville. I'm like, damn, I didn't know. I heard of Susanville. Yeah. We heard of high desert. I didn't even know there was another prison in that area. It's a, yeah, it's a new prison. It just opened like in, I believe, like 95. And yeah, that's where you, that's where, yeah, this is, that's where you're, that's where you're endorsed that. And then, because, you know, they, I believe they asked you, where do you want to go? Remember? Mm-hmm. And I told them, I said, Solano and Mule Creek. And these bastards sent me to high desert. <laughs> <laughs> and they always say say they always say say your first choice that you don't want to go right right yeah no, no say or the other way around right like i wanted to go to um i wanted to go to the mill creek but i didn't say that. i said solano right so i ended up you know saying i want to go to uh i, I want to go to solano first and thinking they're gonna send me to mill creek because mill creek was my second choice but they didn't give me any of my choices bastards they gave me high desert I don't, way, I don't know where. I don't even remember where I I said I wanted to go. I think I just told them anywhere close to the Bay Area. <laughs> I was like, man, yeah, I don't, even, I don't yeah, even know where because, to go. Yeah, because Solano's just right there. Solano's yeah. just right there from Stockton, and then uh, of course uh, DVI is. I mean, uh, Mill Creek is right there by Stockton too. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So those were my two choices. And they sent me. <laughs> End up in High Desert. That's what I'm saying. Like three and a half hours away. Fast. Oh, hey, but look, yeah, but it, but in DVI though, it, 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 because it's an older prison too, right? It's older prison, not as old as San Quentin or Folsom, but uh, it was old enough for me because I've never been in prison. <laughs> <laughs> it was old enough for me, you know, they got the bars and, and shit like that, and then they got the doors. Uh, it was, it was a crazy, it was a crazy experience. Uh, it's still, I don't think it's still registered that I was actually in prison, you know what I mean. I'm still going about my business, like, okay, it, uh, just going about my business, not really, really having the time to uh, sit down and let that shit just soak in that, damn, you're in prison, right? Because I was working. I got, I seen some people that I knew from uh, from the streets. They got me a job in the kitchen. They gave me some boots. I had some boots, you know, so I was working. I was running the tier, you know what I mean? And, uh so I, I hate to say, it, but I had a good time in DVI for being in prison. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. So you end up at High Desert, you're right. Level four, 
freaking rocking and rolling. What was that like? Prison. All right. So uh, the day I trespassed, right, I was like, all right, let's do this. You know, I got a, I got, I got a taste of what, you know, prison is like being in reception, right? Chopping it up with mainliners. Mm-hmm. So we come, so all the way to high desert, and we we passed through. We seen Susanville, or they call it. I think they call it at the time, uh, Susie, Susie's house or Susan's house. I think that's what they they referred to it as. And then we we're passing through the the prison, and then in high desert, and uh, there's like damn, there's like nobody in DVI. You got a garbage truck patrolling the, you know, like the the perimeter. Right, inmates drive riding the garbage trucks. I go to high desert. There's nobody out. You know what I'm saying? There's like no, there's no yard crew. There's no, I don't know. I don't. I forgot, what do you call those people that work outside of the fence? Oh, Around, what? Did, yeah. Uh, damn it. What are they called? Um, you know what I'm talking about? They. Yeah, like the ground crew. The. Yeah, but they're they work. They're like yeah, little, they're like out. Yeah, they're the something. yeah minimum B minimum B. They go outside yeah. the fence. So there's none of that. I was like, damn, man, this shit is, man, what, like, what they sent me to, right? And then so then um, there's no, I mean, literally there's nobody out there. Then they pull up a reception. Then uh, they do the whole process, get strip, strip, strip search, all that bullshit. And then uh, I see somebody that I know that was with me in DVI that I know from the county jail. Like, oh, shit, Johnny, what's up, man? You over here? I say, I'm not trying to be here, but yeah. <laughs> He said, "What what yard are you going to?" I was like, "I don't even know." So he knew the the R and R the R and R um staff, right? Yeah. So he so he asked them if they could put me on his yard, D yard, right? And they put me in the same building as this guy right here, right? And then so I, I lucked out on that, knowing somebody, uh, you know, seeing somebody that you know, it kind of puts you more at ease. Like, okay, yeah, all right. So, even though he was black, right? Right, still knowing somebody, it, it, it kind of put me in. It's like, okay, I, I, I'm gonna be all right. But still, I was nervous though, because you hear stories about uh, level four rocking and rolling, and that's where, and when the shit go down, that's when they really go down. Mm-hmm. It ain't, you know, it ain't no, no fucking uh, pushing, shoving, uh, just mad stares. Like, okay, you know, you looked away first, so I beat your ass. No, it ain't not, yeah. none of that. Yeah. So, you know, this is the real deal. This is where the people. Uh, are you know a lot of them are not going home or they won't be going home for a very long time. Uh, shoot kickouts, so obviously they've done stabbings already, beating up the police or whatever. Yep. Right? And there's pretty much a yard where people there's there's no like no hope to get out, right? And a lot of tension, <laughs> a lot of tension, of course. And then come with that is of course the politics, right? So then I'm like, okay, damn. This is what they sent me to. Like, what? Fuck it. But at that point already, I got I got used to you know DVI, hopping it up with mainliners. So I was like, let's do this. You know, whatever happens, happens. That started to get that kind of attitude. Whatever happens, happens. <clears throat> so. so what but, what happened? Like yeah. like like you get out there your first day out to yard where you get to actually meet everyone. Like, what what's what's your uh, orientation like? So Mars, okay. So they put me, they put me in a cell with he's uh, Indian and Filipino. His name is his name is Tarzan, right? Older guy, diabetic. Uh, I hope he, I hope he's out, right? So they, so he gave me like the, the like the what do you call it? How would I say it? 
the uncut, you know, unedited raw version of what it's really like. Yeah. Right. He's been around the system. So he was giving, I was like, damn, really? For real? Was, yeah. Was, man, um, the, the people, the people that, that shake your hand, smile in your face. He said, all, he said, it's all good and dandy. It's all it takes is just one little disrespect. He goes, even your own people. I said, he said, all it takes is just one little disrespect or one thing that they don't like that you do or that you did. He said, it's, that's the end of the friendship. There's no, there's like, what do you say? How do you say it? There's like, it's like you get disowned for like anything that you do that makes the car or your people look bad. And when that happens, and there's usually something that comes that follows that. Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, they're going to try to get you out the yard. If, if you do some shit that's out of pocket, like, uh, whatever, uh, that's no, that, that you're not supposed to do, then they're going to either try to beat you up or they're going to try to stab you or try to kill you. Like, yeah, for real. Like, like, like what can I possibly <laughs> do for them to do that? You know, I'm, you know, I'm asking, I'm young, I'm asking hella questions. I want some clarification, right? <laughs> I'm like, can, can, can you please clarify? Like, can you, like, give me a, like, a, can you, like, give me a list of what <laughs> I could possibly do for that to happen? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to sound like I'm, I'm you know, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to, I'm educated in that, but I'm not. No, it's not, you know, like, of course, don't tell. No, don't. There's, you know, what's the other shit? Um, everybody has their own tables. Everybody has their own court, this and that. He said, don't cross over. There's lines dividing our handball court. Uh, don't use their handball court, even though nobody's playing on it. Yep. That's their so, shit. Yep. I said, all right. I said, so even if nobody's playing on it, yes, even if nobody's playing on it, that's their handball court. Never use that. We have our own. The Mexicans have their own. The Northerns, Southerns have their own. The Blacks have their own. The Blacks share their own shit. The Blacks also play handball with the Northerners. The Whites play handball with the Southerners also with the paisa then you have a court and this was dr by the way then you have a court and it's not affiliates right so anybody in their mama could go over there you can be black white mexican whatever yeah they're not affiliates or the no not not to talk shit or but um as they say uh like the christians remember yeah 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 mm-hmm. yeah people that, yeah doing their yeah. own yeah. program the Christ- yeah the christians. yeah yeah, pretty much uh, do their own program. So, so that so he schooled me on that. They schooled me about. He schooled me about like commissary. You know, um, when you get your shit, you know, try to look out if you can, but don't go without. Look out, but don't go without. Right. I mean, you don't because you don't want to come across like someone like, you know, like you hella stingy and shit, and then people are gonna start hating on you because when you need something, we're willing to give. And then even if we don't need nothing, it's, it's always a good, you know, good gesture to ask. Always ask. You guys need anything, anything? Here's some sodas, whatever. That's what, that's what he said. That's where I learned that shit, you know, like, like every now and then you go to the store, hey, look, hey, y'all want to see some ice cream, you know, sit, you know, sit with the homies and shit, share a, an ice cream or two with some sodas and some chips. Yeah. So he schooled me on that. He schooled me with the politics. Uh, I'll show you that. Pretty much the, the program of how it was on that specific yard. But you know, every yard is different. Every yard, is, yep. every yard functions like its own person. So what might it might be the same person, but what what might fly in this yard may not fly with the other yard. Specifically, what happened with JP uh, saying it was okay for Swan with 
Cisco. Remember? Yep. Mm-hmm. That was a, that, yeah, that was that was a big headache right there. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, no. So yeah, okay. Yeah. So how long were you in high desert before you got the transfer out? I was in high desert from June till September two thousand June nineteen ninety six to September two thousand seventeen. I was borderline. I was borderline at level four. I think I had fifty five points. I believe it was. I had fifty five points. But in that short amount of time, I I I, I seen what I needed to see. <laughs> Put it that way too. And why why you were there, dude? Were there any riots or anything like that? Exactly. That's why I said I said I seen what I needed, right? <laughs> I seen what I needed to see. And the see, right? What because remember in the, in the, in, I was telling you earlier, like it never really it never really sunk in yet that I was in prison, right? Till I saw that. They're like, okay, so this is the shit that they're talking about, right? This is the shit that goes down because on my first week there, they had shot somebody in the hole. Mm. They had shot somebody in the hole. I'm like, damn, okay, this is for real shit right here. This ain't no game. Mm-hmm. Damn. I, I, I remember I, I had my celly, right? Uh, his name was Muggsy. I was telling him, I, I was telling him, I love prison, man. This is, I like this shit here, right? Then after that shooting, and then like, you still like prison? I was like, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, but then, so then, of course, you know, being an other, we didn't have too much problems at the time. So there was a lot of issue with the um, the North and South, right? And, and um, they would kick this shit up on the yard. And then the homies used to always tell me, hey, when the shit, when the shit kicks off, right? You say, just get down, bro. But shit, they start coming your way. If you, if you try to get away if you can, but if you can't, you still got to defend yourself, right? You try to push up on you, they, you know, but just defend yourself. So I was like, all right, all right. But, like, they almost, you almost know when she's about to kick off, or you'll feel the tension. Okay. And that's when the homies will gather everybody up. Hey, hey, I think she's about to kick off, so let's all, let's all kick her over here. And you'll know, you'll feel it. You'll feel the tension. Even, even if it's a one-on-one fight, you'll feel the tension. Even, say, even a cleanup, you'll know. And so that's when all, you could tell, like when I come home for, I worked in, in, in the school, by the way, I was a teacher's aide. So then when I come home for work, like the homie would pick me up, like, hey, um, I think she's about to crack. I said, let's go back to, to the spot. And then of course you observe, right? You like to observe the, the yard. Yeah, okay, yeah, it's about to kick off. Everybody's grouped up here, people talking here, people talking there. So, okay, and sure enough, the shit will kick off. You know, you know fools begin getting stuck. Shit like that. So that that was the wake up call. That that was the you know that brought me to the reality of where I was really at, and that was in fucking prison. Yeah, because when I was in DVI, I was having a hell of a time. Not gonna lie, I was I was <laughs> I was enjoying it, right? Because mm-hmm. I was running around, I wasn't stuck in my cell all day. And then come over here, you know, then you see this shit, and you see blood, and you see fools getting whacked, and Okay, damn, this is for real. That could that could be me. Right? That could be me. So then uh that's when that's when my eyes started to open up a little bit of what my what my future uh was looking like. 
Yeah. All right. So, uh-huh. <laughs> Folgers, so. Folgers jar, y'all. Yeah, and you know, I'm, I'm glad you're showing that because, uh, uh, and if you're listening to the podcast, he's using an old Folgers jar as a water jug. <laughs> um, prison ingenuity and, and uh, uh, creativity over capital, we'll put it to you that way. But um, right. yeah. The, and, I'm not in, and I'm not in prison, but I'm still drinking. Yeah, no, uh, I, I do a lot of that too, man. I, um, <laughs> I'll never forget uh, one, of, one of the homies' girlfriends had posted a picture on Facebook of uh, toilet paper sitting on top of the 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 whatever the hell the little thing you put the toilet paper on and was like why does my man keep leaving the toilet paper like this and so my girlfriend at the time my wife now was like yeah and i'm like because in prison you got to take your toilet paper back with you so we're not used to putting it on a spool we we got to take man that's gold you don't want to lose your toilet paper so no you don't do that (laughs) <laughs> and yeah, they were yeah. like what and i'm like you gotta understand we did a lot of time so like to this day and this sounds crazy i 99 percent of the time will eat all of my food with a spoon unless it's like a steak or something like i will use a spoon even like chicken yeah, i'll break it apart yeah. with a spoon and my wife will give me a fork and i'll be like no no just give me a spoon <laughs> it, i'm just used to it you know so yeah, I, I get it. And that's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. You that the toilet paper because I was doing the same thing when I got out, right? Uh, because my wife and, and my stepson, right? They're like, they're like chipping out on that. I said, because we 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 don't have we don't have like the spool, right? Yeah, you don't, don't have, have it. it. Uh, they don't refill the. Yeah, you we're not pulling out the toilet paper. You bring this shit with you with your spray bottle. With your spray bottle, right? just with your, with your spray bottle, and you. Wrap this sheet, clean the toilet, whatever. Yep. You know, put your put your toilet liner if you want to. <laughs> and then, then yeah. and it's the same thing when you when you got it. That's funny you said that because I was doing the same shit. It's crazy. Yeah, but it, yeah. It, it it's because I mean, it's like they say, you know, it, it takes you, you know, three weeks, thirty days to develop a habit. Fuck, we were right. in for years, man. Like, yeah, I mean that that is, that stuff's hard to break. Just like uh, my coffee cup. I always keep yeah. a plastic spoon in it because I'm used to doing that in prison. Like I'm, right. I'm, I'm just used to it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So yeah, remember, go ahead. ahead. No. Yeah, because like you know, I remember in, in prison too. Um, we used to always keep a spoon like in our back pocket. Yeah. With because you never know. Little... You... Yeah. <laughs> the homie might have some ice cream. You know. Yep. Oh, I got my own spoon. I'm good. Yep. I got my own spoon, and it's always wrapped around with a little bit of toilet paper. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> For That's real. Kind of crazy. All right. So, so, so you leave High Desert, you end up going to Solano, which is in Vacaville, California. What, what year did you show up at Solano? Okay. So, I, I, I not, uh, two, uh, damn, what was it 1990, September 1997 when I got to Solano? Uh, I remember the Tongan homie, uh, Bulu, was telling me to get a write up, right? So I could stay with the homies in High Desert. <laughs> Like no, no, like uh, like no, bro. I said I gotta get closer to my family, right? It's like okay, all right, buddy, all right, buddy. And but before that shit, before I went there though, um, shit, shit was already uh, there's already an issue that was that was brewing, uh, uh, with us and, and the Hispanics, the Southern Mexicans in High Desert. Yeah, 
So that shit was so. Uh, fortunately for me, I left at a good time because, like, soon after I transferred, the shit kicked off. Yeah. I mean, kicked off bad too. Yeah. Um, but I got to Solano in September 1997. I say August, September. One of those months, yeah. So then, what was that like going from a freaking level four super po- politics and, and shit jumping off to freaking Camp Fluffy, Solano, soft level three? <laughs> level Camp three is still, it's still, it's still a maximum security, but right. Solano is kind of laid back. Yeah, so so reception, um, uh, the the majority of, the majority of workers were inmates, right? So you know, good to see that. Okay, so it's it's not as you know uh, what do you call it strict or you know as it was in High Desert. Um, then talking to some of the workers in the R and R and R and R workers, asking like, hey, like like how's the program? You know, it depends where you're going, bro. I say, man, I just came from level four. I was, oh, you going to level three then? You'll be selling it. Yeah, okay, okay. Like, well, like, like how, how can you get out? I mean, uh, how much time are you spending? He goes, oh, you have yard every day. And it's like, it's like um, I forgot what it is. I don't know if it was all day. Oh, it was, you have either morning yard or afternoon yard and night yard, right? But afternoon yard was always, I believe, A1A yard. Right. Yeah. 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 So if you, if you don't have morning yard, you have yard in afternoon. But if you've already had morning yard, if you want to go to the yard again, you have to have A1A status and your privilege card right. or your red card. And the night yard was only for, I believe it was only for workers or red card privilege card. or A1A status, I believe it was. Yeah, A1A, non-closed custody, all that good shit. Right. So when he was telling me that, I'm like, oh, for real, this yard all day? He goes, yeah. He said, man, you get so much yard, you get burnt down. I was like, that will never happen. <laughs> <laughs> Like, that'll never happen. Will you say that now, youngster? Shit, that's the relief. Like, I'm thinking, you gotta be fucked up. Never. Right? So then he, I'm asking him about the, the canteen, the commissary. He goes, get this and that. So for real? Goes, yeah. And then the packages, right? I was like, damn, I think I'm gonna like it over here. Right? So then he, it took him, man, like like five hours, man, for me to get my cell. I didn't get there till like, um, like three, four in the morning. And they had a, they had a, um, I used to be a housing clerk too. Uh, what's the term? Compaction. Yeah, they had compact yeah. two cells, right? They had to compact two cells to put me in there. So they put another black, another black. And then um, I moved in there by myself. And then, but they let me in. I remember they let me through the side door. And then uh, I seen an ironing table, right? I was like, like what's this? An ironing table? Was, yeah, it's for us. It was, yeah, it's for you guys. He goes, you just, you just check out the iron iron uh, with the CEO, just giving your ID. So remember, he let me in the side door in building one, right? Towards, um, as you would call it now, um, like Eldorm. Eldorm side? Right? Yeah, the, like over where uh, our cell Actually, was, on our yeah, side. Yeah, like, or, right. When we were so in then, 243 or 241. 241. Yeah. Right. So let me know that side then. So I'm like, just that half of the day one was bigger than the high desert, right? <laughs> just that one side. So I'm like, I'm thinking this is just part of the day room. I'm mean, this is the day room right here, right? I said, damn, this is a pretty big day room. He said, um, what's on the other side? He goes, that's the day room too. I'm like, what? He said, yeah. He said, this also 
this is the whole thing right here. It goes, it, it wraps around the other side. I'm like, for real? He goes, yeah, you want to see it? I said, so he took it around. I said, damn. This is nothing <laughs> like how the, you got a fucking iron. You see buckets everywhere. I said, what's that? Buckets everywhere. Said, oh, that's where they, um, the, yeah, he said, that's where inmates uh, do the laundry. And then they put their clothes on the benches and you see the clothes on the benches. I said, oh, okay. All right. Then um, they told me what cell I was going to be in. I said, who's in there? He said, by yourself. I said, oh, okay. And then um, they put me in there. And then he said, um, go ahead and close your door. I'm like, close my door. He goes, yeah, you guys close your own doors here. I'm like, for real? I, mean, yeah. so I try to close it. <laughs> and I think I, I think I closed it a little too hard because it didn't lock. Yeah. You slam it too yeah, hard. Yeah, it pop it. Yeah. It pops back. Yeah, it pops back on. Yeah. So it popped back on. He goes, no, no, no. He, he said, just push it till it clicks. But hard enough to where it clicks all the way. So I was like, okay. I said, well, how do I said, how do I get out if I need? He could just fly. Like, oh, what the hell is that? He just like wave us down or stick a piece of paper, and and just flag us down. I said, okay. So that was that on on that end, and um, uh, that's when I think it was the next day or two days later. Then Dixon, they moved Dixon and with Dixon came off the bus. I think Dixon. Stanley Dang. Stanley Dang. I'm gonna step over was supposed to bring me a huh? I'm gonna smoke a cigarette because y'all because you bring me back some memories. <laughs> that fool that fool came to a couple of my parties and he was supposed to bring me over uh all his weights that he wasn't using. He never did that bastard. Because <laughs> he's only in Oak, he was only in Oakland, right? Yeah, he's in Oakland, yeah. I should have I should have had a chance to. Cause yeah. he didn't hit me up until I already, I already got over here, I think. Dixon. Good dude. Dixon was a good dude. Even though we had to tell a little bullshit, he was still a good yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah, that's my son there. That, that all that bullshit. bullshit happened when I was at the court, huh? Yeah, it was when I was at nah, the court. It should have never happened, though. That just should have never happened. The homies should never be finding the homies like that. Nah, because, you know, yeah. Because, you know, and a lot of them, too, came from a level four yard, right? I'm going to come from a level four yard, knowing that at the end of the day, we're supposed to have each other's back when shit goes down. Yep. And then, so then when we're fighting each other, that doesn't look good on, on, on anybody's part, especially for the people watching. That's why when they gaffle us up, they're like, man, we don't even know who's fighting who. Uh, you, guys, uh, you guys are others. You guys never fight each other. And, of course, nobody's saying that. We all just hang up. Just, that's it, yeah, nah, um, all right, so, so you get there, you're in one building, what happens when you, when you go to yard and get the rundown on what the program is there at Solano? All right, so when I, so before the yard, I was, you know, in the daytime, they had day room, right, I didn't know that I could come out to go get my clothes, so then I'm like banging on the door or asking someone, hey, can you, can you call this uh, CEO over here? Like, oh, you just pulled up? He goes, yeah. And then I guess he was a, uh, a what do you call it? A, a, he was a worker. What do you call those people? Day room worker? Day room worker. Uh, porter. 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 He was a fucking damn porter. He was a porter. So he's a porter. He goes, you should have got your clothes. You should have told the CEO that um, you just pulled up. I was like, I said, I don't even know the program here, bro. He goes, hold on. So then he said something to the tower. They popped my door. I walk out there, all eyes on me because I'm in, you know, I'm in reception clothes still, right? And then uh, they said, uh, I'm going to give you a pass to go get your laundry. 
but come back because you're you haven't been classified yet. Right. Yeah. yeah. So at at the time you couldn't come out unless you been classified. Mm-hmm. You went to uh, ICC. Yep. So when I come out, then uh, some of the homies pull up. A Filipino dude named Ramel, Ramel Ramondo, right? Good dude too. And what allowed him? Crazy. I think his name was no, not crazy. I forgot his name. But anyways, some of the agents would uh, they they hit me up, right? Ask me where I'm from, where I come from, where I'm from, the streets. Miss how my God, you know, the usual Q and A. What I'm in here for, all that. And uh, give me the rundown. Give me a little care package and shit like that. So when I went to the yard, and I'm asking around where the laundry is, right? Of course, you come out there, all eyes on you. Then I, then I meet, um, who was it? Some of the homies. And then they remember old man Joe. Mm-hmm. He used to always, say, always play chess with JP. Yep. Remember? He yeah. He sit at the table yeah. all day and just play with his cane. Mm-hmm. I met, I met him. He was telling me that our tables are over there with the Indians. We shared... It's the, it's the Islanders table, Filipinos. And I think at the time, like the, the Vietnamese and the Chinese were in front of two buildings. Yep. Remember? Yep, yep. He had their yep. own table in front of two yeah. buildings. Yep. So he, he gave me the rundown of, of how the yard was set up, who's who. I said, what about handball? He said, that side is the Southerners and, and the Whites. This side is the Northerners and the Blacks. But we could play. He said, we could play in the Blacks and the Southerners. I said, what about the Whites? He goes, no. But occasionally we do so i said okay basketball court this side is for like the non-affiliates pretty much which is between five six four five and six remember mm-hmm. yeah, and also that's, that's between, uh, between four and five you have the laos and cambodian over there in between the buildings right yeah right right along the fence line yep on the fence yeah line, yep. and then on the other side was more like a like the the uh, blacks too, but I think this, but the Southerners didn't really play no basketball though at the time. Nah. But the Northerners played mostly on the other side. Yep. <laughs> and then so yeah, so they gave me the rundown. Uh, they tell me you know uh, uh, what's you know what what jobs is available here and shit like that. And at the same time, I wasn't really I wasn't you know I was thinking of never really going home. So I'm thinking okay, just another just another prison I'm at just more accommodations. So then after that, I'm starting to get the feel of the prison, the people. And um, I remember the same, I'm not going to say his name, but he was a good dude, but he was also, it's, he's like night and day. You don't know what, what mood he's in, right? So then I had a little problem with him. I'm like, what's up? I said, what's up, bro, man? I said, uh, you good? It was like, was like man. I said, why would you ask that? I said, cause you. I said, you haven't, you haven't said nothing to me. He goes, am I obligated to talk to you? I'm like, oh, hold on, bro. <laughs> so, I know I didn't do nothing, right? So, right, I'm thinking, okay, is this fool testing me? Whatever, right? So he was older than me, right? Kind of big dude, works out all the time. He was like, um, am I obligated to talk to you? I'm not. As far as I know, I'm not obligated to talk to you or anybody. When he said that, I said, okay, that's just the kind of person that you are. If he would have said just you. Am I obligated to talk to you? Then I say, okay, it's something personal. But then we said to anybody, I say, okay, I, I know what kind of person that you are. Right. And then um, of course, you know, uh, I, I talked to some of the homies and say, hey, what's up with old boy, man? Oh, oh yeah, we forgot to mention. Uh, he's like, 
you never know what kind of mood he's in. The best thing is just, you know, give your, you know, your, your, your greetings and, and just go about your business. Don't even worry about it. I'm like, all right, man. Got it. Uh, he, he ended up getting in trouble anyways because he had that type of attitude. So, so, so you're there and, and I mean, you basically did all your time in Solano. So, so how did that, that, that span kind of, kind of go from you, you went from level four to level three Solano. Then what was kind of your, your journey along that path in Solano up until you actually were, were granted parole? All right. Okay. So in, in, on the three yard, yard one, you know, even though it was at level four, uh, they've had a few rights over there too. And be that I was a housing clerk, I had to house a lot of people at SEG, right? And you were working with me too. So mm-hmm. you've seen it too, right? So every now, even, even though, you know, it was in, it's still, uh, what was it? It was, it's max, right? No, level four is max, level three is medium, level two is minimum. Well, right? level three, level not, three is okay. still max if you're behind the the what you call it, the electric fence with cell electric, and all that crap. So I mean, fence. we we were max level three, but it was a soft level three. I mean, it yeah. wasn't. But yeah, they still had riot shit. I've seen plenty of them. <laughs> exactly. So it, yeah, because because they have they they have a good run when not, there's no incident, there's no incidents, right? Then all of a sudden you get a you get one. But when you get one, it's a big one. It'd be like it would be like the north to south. So you're like, okay. It, it is another reminder, okay, although it's not like high desert, you're still in prison. Shit can still happen like this. Because I remember the one time where I was chilling in front of, like you said, between four, between building four and five, and I was with the, um, the Fijian homie, right, P, and then all of a sudden, I seen a bunch of people running from that side of the yard to the other side. And my dumb man, I jump up and I Try to go see what's going on. They're like, hey, pull get down. <laughs> what's up? He said, he said, it's the north and south, kicking it off. Sure enough, they tell everybody to get down, get down, shooting the block guns. Right? They said, you can't, and they're like, hey, you can't just run like that. Pull, they're going to think you're involved. I said, oh, my yep. bad. <laughs> yeah. Said, my bad. But you know, I was, I was still young. I was, you know, I wanted to see what's going on. <laughs> so, but the transition wise, like I said, every now and then, though, Something will happen that'll remind you that you're still in prison. Yep. Uh, but for the most part, though, it was it was pretty chill. Um, but they still had the politics, though, right? And I um, I was working as a housing clerk. You were like, you were the captain's clerk, and I eventually dropped my points down after I got a one fifteen to stay because I didn't want to go to dorm living. Yep. Uh, you know, you got used to the cell living, and then just knowing that you'll be in a dorm or with, in a room with a lot of people just literally right next to you. There's no sense of privacy, none at all. And uh, I'm cool. And I, and I was doing that. A lot of people were doing too, that don't want to go level two dorm. Yep, I was doing you know, it too. Right. Up. So I got a write up, right. I refused the UA. I was a clerk. I was a housing clerk at the time. They're like, Oh, you know, you could, um, you could lose your job. I was like, well, I don't, I, but they did though. They actually, well, I didn't do my job, but I'm saying, but they tested me like three times already. My shit came back negative. <laughs> so my argument to the SNI, that little short, that little short, uh, that light skinned black chick, uh, McC- what's her name? McCullough? McCully. Uh, yeah. McCullough. 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 Yeah. McCullough. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I remember her. She was the one time and she was like, 
I said, look, you guys tested me all the time. My shit comes back negative. I said, I don't see why you guys keep testing me for UA. She's like, look, Silas, the people we want to test, we can't test. The people that don't need to be tested get tested because it just generates the names. And unfortunately, you're being called all the time. I'll say, okay, well, I re- well I'm going to repeat. She goes, you know, you're going to get a write-up for this. It's going to hurt you on the board. I was like, I don't care. So, of course, they gave me a write-up. And so, sure enough, check my points up at uh, UCC or ICC it was. And I, I was able to stay another year in level three. Then, of course, I was up for ICC again or UCC. I was up for UCC. Points drop. I tried to get an override. I didn't get an override. Then I had to, and I had to shake the spot. Remember? <laughs> I remember I was in a visit. Then they said I was transpect. Oh, I was moving. Yeah. On level two. Ah, and I got all my shit. I remember you guys walked me out to mm-hmm. think. Pita was there, JP, Joe. Yeah. And they I pushed my car all the way to uh, uh, level, level two, uh, three yard. It was. <laughs> so what was that like going from, from years of living in a cell to now you're in wide open environment, freaking? Yeah, I, I, I didn't, I didn't like it at all. I, I hated it, especially when my bed was at. When, I, when the officer was escorting me, I was like, um, I said, where am I going? He goes, you're going to Building 13. He said, there's a lot, of, a lot of lifers in Building 13. There's a lot of Filipinos there, too. So he goes, you'll, 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 you'll be okay. I said, okay, so where's my bed at? I said, I said how is it set up? It's like, oh, they're, they're dorms, like 10-man dorms, 12-man dorms. I said, is it, I said, is it enclosed? He goes, for the most part, the ones in, in, inside is enclosed, but then you have bunks right along the tier. Like, damn, I hope I don't get a bunk like that. He goes, he goes, where are you going to X7 up? I said, where's that? He goes, unfortunately, you're like, you're right on the tier. Like, damn. <laughs> right? So then, the wrong like, way. I, that's what I'm saying. So once I pushed my car inside the building, we stopped by center, I think we stopped by center complex first to drop off the uh, bed card. And then we then took me to um, inside building 13. As soon as I stepped inside, I looked, I'm like, oh, hell no, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> right? It's like, for one, there's way too many people. And the, the setup on, a, you know, your bunks and shit, like, man, I, I can't do this shit. But then they're also saying, this is where life was going home. Right? So I was like, man, I, was like, I don't know if I can handle this shit. So then, so uh, I seen Vu, old man Vu was there. Old man Vu, triple right. OG. So, so he asked me where I was, I said X7. And he showed me, I was like, that bunk right there. I was like, oh, hell no. Nah. <laughs> and I forgot who my, I, 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 the name on my bunkie, he was a, he used to play, he used to play softball too. He played with the All Nation. I don't know, I, I, I think he was like Guatemalan or something. But he was in yard one with us, so I moved him over. Damn, what the fuck was his name? Big heavyset guy. JR. His name was JR. Oh, JR. I remember JR. All right. Yeah. It was JR with my bunkie. So I was pulling up, he was asleep. Then uh, they said, Your bunkie is JR. JR. Then I look, I said, Oh, man, I know this fucker, right? So I wake his ass up. Like, hey, hey. Like, Oh fuck! Oh, they oh they finally moved you over here, huh? He goes, "It's your turn. You're moving everybody to level two. Now it's your turn to get moved, huh?" I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> so, um, 
I ended up moving over there. I, I didn't like it at all. Uh, the dorm living, this shit was fucked up. Uh, I had I had a little bit of, I had a little bit of property. He had hella property, like you. You had hella property, fool. So I had no room for my shit. So my shit was literally like just on the side of the wall on the tier next door. So I was like, damn. So in it's open on both sides, right? So then I was like, man, sleeping on the top bunk, my feet dangling off of the tier. Like, nah, I, I gotta get, I gotta move out of this fucking bunk right here. So then, then I seen Andy. I seen Andy. He was in W dorm. I was in X dorm. Mm-hmm. So there, so they give me a rundown. Um, who, who else did I see over there? I seen uh, Dread. Dread was over there. There's a lot of people from level three that was over yeah. there. So yeah, they give me the rundown. It was going on, how it is. So I said, okay, all right. the people is cool. The living arrangements, I did not like at all. You know what I mean? And uh, I believe like a month later, that's when Andy moved me in with him on the top bunk, the W bunk, which was cool because I was away, you know, look, at least I had a wall. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, didn't have, I didn't turn to one side. I see, I see my bunkmate. I mean, on the other side, my dormies, and I flip this way and I see the whole tier. And keep in mind, too, X-Storm was a place where they do all the dirt. Yep. Yep. So when I'm when I'm laying there, I'm trying to you know I'm trying to catch a, you know trying to take a nap. You got everybody named Mama just chilling right there, smoking. Yep. Oh and man. They, yeah. So I was like, fuck, I gotta get out of this dorm. I mean, you can only say so much, right? Because it's program time. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking, okay, you know, when it's shutdown time, I hope they're not like that. But they <laughs> were though, because X Storm was a party dorm. It is what it yep. was. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. It's a party dorm. That's where everything went down. I mean, everything. So. Like, okay, I like it, you know, I, I, I was partying a little bit. But when it's time to rest up, you can't because this is what it is. So yep. the best thing for me to do is just move out of there. If I wanted the party, I just go there. But if I wanted to sleep, I just go to my dorm. That's why uh, I moved with Andy. So, so what was, what was it, like, what did you end up doing for work? And what was your program like on the level two side? So, on the level two side, um, Bassett, Rob Bassett, remember him? Mm-hmm. So he's uh he was a the 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 tape test coordinator. Is um, so he asked me if I want to be a clerk. I said, Nah, I, I kind of like one. I was thinking about PIA Lens Lab. Was you want to go PIA Lens? I'll get you in there. I said, Yeah, if you can. I heard there's a long waiting list. He goes, Johnny, you want to get in there? I'll get you in there. Sure enough, like two days later, um, he put a guy, I was in vocational lens lab. Like, like two days later, I was like, man, people are like, hey, man, how the hell did you do that? <laughs> like, how, the, how the hell you do that? I was like, I said, don't trip, bro. Don't trip. <laughs> so I ended up working there. And then um, it was cool, too, because it was, it was a paid vocational uh, program. So I was getting paid uh, same time while I was learning. And then once you graduate, then if PIA wanted you, then they're going to offer you an opportunity with PIA. And uh, of course, I'm a hard worker. You know what I'm saying? They offered me a job, right? And I ended up working in uh, PIA, um, just in the surfacing department with Garth. 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 And then um, I ended up going to the stock room. And then I had issues with Miss Laura. Who I'm still in contact with, uh, Miss <laughs> Laura. When you watch this, if you ever watch this, 
Um, I know I'm like the son that you never wanted, like you always tell me. <laughs> right. I know I was I, I know I, I was a big headache to to Miss Laura, but you know, she was just trying to, you know, keep me grounded. So I had an issue, she had an issue with me, uh, with I believe not being at my position when I should be. I always roamed around, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm always here, I'm always there. So I go to SAP for 30 days, uh, for 90 days. Was it SAP? No, it was a CEO, some, oh, CEO, or it was some re-entry program right at the corner when you first, wa- when you first come inside the hill. Yeah. It's some re-entry program, right? So I go there for, I think it was like a month or two, and I come back, then they said, you're not, a stockroom worker no more. I was like, what do you mean? They're like, um, you're a porter now. I'm a what? You say <laughs> you 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 and Pete are the porter. Pete, I said porter. And then, so like, I was mad, right? So then I, I went to go talk to Laura. They said, well, John, because you always like to walk around, roam around. Uh, this would be the best position for you. I'm thinking, you know what, man? It's like. I said, what about my pay number? He goes, no, you, you still keep your C number, which is 55 cents. I was like, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, as long as I'm getting paid the same. And then uh, my, my, my work is pretty much literally just roam around the whole day. Yep. Do a trash run, go pick some vegetables in the garden. Right? And me and, me and Frank Moppins, you know, we go get our vegetables and shit and, you know, make some lunch or whatever. Yep. So I said, okay, this is, this is not bad. So... Um, I was working as a porter, and after that, John Kohler was the hazmat clerk, remember? Mm-hmm. Then he was being transferred to, uh, to um, somewhere else. Vacaville. Back, but he ended up getting, right, but he ended up getting transferred to Vacaville. Yeah. Uh, supposedly, um, somebody there recognized him, so they had to move him. So they transferred him. He now went for his position, <clears throat> and I got it, the hazmat coordination uh, clerk. And I wrote that out all the way till I paroled in 2014. And and something I, I tell people a lot because, I mean, people just don't don't get it. And they're always fascinated. That optical lab in in Solano State Prison is one of the largest optical labs in the country, doing all the medical work for That's California true. and everything. And and also is one of the the largest optical labs with the most certified opticians also working there and they all happen to be inmates. So go figure. Right. You know, yeah, a lot of very... because, um, yeah, a lot of people with Medi-Cal, they don't even know that their glasses are actually made by my inmates. Yep. Chowchilla state prison, the fee, the women's prison. In, Chowchilla. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's a it's... And the thing is too, that we also, we also made eyeglasses, uh, glasses for DOT. In yeah. The CHP. Yep. And for so, private practices and, up and down the state too. Right. Right. I mean, we we're making glasses for kids that were like damn near blind. Yep. And uh they would never know that it was coming from, you know, I that a convicted murderer was making these glasses for their their child, you know. Yep. And so it's you know it, it, it's just it was, one it was of a good things. program. And I and Tino and Tino he was a master optician, a self self study, and if I'm not mistaken, there's only like thirty op, thirty master opticians in the state of California, and one of them was, or was, yeah, was, yeah. in prison. 
Yep. And he studied that all on his own. So yeah, I'll never forget. Ahead. So that that optical lab had a specialty lab. That's what John was talking about. That made some ridiculous glasses up in there. But Tino was a master optician in there, and I never forget how many times I saw him get called to get on the phone with the doctor to walk them through right. <laughs> some 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 optical stuff. And I'm like, this dude's a lifer working in an optical lab, making freaking less than a dollar an hour, and he's telling a doctor what to do. That's crazy. That's true. <laughs> telling what to do, guiding them, right? And and he's self-studying, and these people went to school. Yeah, exactly. So, to go figure, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Les Lab was, Les Lab, you know what? And see, another thing, too, coming in level two, right? Uh, there's a lot of programs that were offered uh, that, you know, it, it's going to help you financially. At the same time, you learn something that you bring back uh, to the streets with and I'm like why not right mm-hmm. at, 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 at some point I need to get my shit together um, I, I spoke to a couple of the people there they're like level two this is level two because you know every level two every yard is different whether it's a level yeah. two one or three like this yard right here man you could pretty much do your own program as long as you don't get the homies in a wreck right. you could pretty much just do you like oh yeah and of course, there was a lot of softball. Softball was serious over there. <laughs> yeah, it was. So then, yeah, so that was like perfect for me right there. Cause, I mean, I was a diehard baseball fan, so softball was the closest thing I could get to that. So I was doing that. I was doing my softball. Like, I, I mean, I'm out there practicing almost every day. You already know that. Mm-hmm. Hitting ground and shagging some balls, whatever, right? So I say about, um, I say about more than 50% of my time in level, level two was was spent playing sports, right, for a good portion. And then I say the other, you know what, I say because I was also doing a lot of self-help classes. That took up a lot of my time. Yeah. A lot. I mean, I was doing self-help classes like every day. Every day I was doing self-help classes. If I wasn't facilitating, I was in there learning. And if I wasn't doing that, then I'm playing sports. And if I'm not doing that, then I'm, I'm at work. So, like, every, my whole day was, like, occupied. And it's like, man, but uh, I, you had to do, I had to do what I had to do to get out because I remember when I first came to level two, uh, the guy next to me, he was a lifer. He went home after, like, 16 years on the 15th of life. And that's when I first, you know, was, like, okay, given, like, some game as to how to get out of prison. I was like, what do you have? You had second degree murder. Oh, shit, I got that. How did he get out? Well, his shit was like anger related. So he took anger management. Oh, it was, yeah. So what about yours? I said, my shit was gang related, alcohol, uh, 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 marijuana. He goes, okay, so you need to take uh, AA, NA, anger management, and uh, some way to show that you're no longer a gamer. And it's like, that's it. He goes, this, I mean, it's not as easy as that, but that's the road that you need to go. You ever want to get out? And, and they were like, don't just go to one AA and stop. You have to stay the whole duration while you're still locked up. I was like, for real? He goes, yeah. I was like, damn, that's a big-ass commitment right there. <laughs> right? So I didn't do it right away, right? Because I'm still, you know, my mentality wasn't completely there. But I was just, you know, I was just probing. I was just probing how to get out, what I need to do. How did he get out? What did he do? What's his crime? 
I said, okay. So I'm, you know, I was just trying to map it out what I, what I should do. And then, so I eventually figured it out. Okay, for sure, I need to go to AA. For sure, I need to go to NA. For sure, I need to go to anger management class. So I was doing that. Then I come across Frank Moffins, right? He became like a mentor to me, and he showed me how to, he showed me how to, you know, what what I needed to do. So he started getting me involved in a lot of programs, self help programs uh, that dealt with like uh, cognitive behavior. You know what I mean? CBT. Mm-hmm. Him and Donnie. Donnie Douglas, you know, mm-hmm. uh, both of them, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta give it up. I gotta props to both still in level two, but they pushed me, you know, they, they like trying to point me in the direction that I needed to go if I really wanted to get out. I was kind of, you know, at first I was kind of resistant to that, especially with Donnie, because Donnie was aggressive on that self-help shit with me. Yeah, he was. When we used to work <laughs> in the stock room. Right? I don't know where. Yeah, because I don't know where, right? I mean, you just, you just pulling up at work, right? You just clocked in. You're about to drink your coffee. Then, so Johnny, um, uh, why did you commit your crime? I'm like, bro, man, that's way too early for this shit. Tell that to the board. I'm like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I'm not ready yet, bro. I said, but that was good though because he pushed me though. Yeah, he yeah. pushed me, and once once I got once I started once I started getting like you know and, and more involved in like trying to figure out how to explain why I did what I did, knowing, you know what I mean? Like the, 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 the root causes, then I don't know. It's like, like something just happened where you're like, you know what? I want more. You know what I mean? Like, like, like self-esteem issue, right? People say a lot of people have self-esteem issues. I'm like, I don't, but I mean, our version, uh, our version of having self-esteem issues, it's not really what we think it is. You know what I mean? And, you know, I, I don't feel low. I don't feel low about myself. You know, self-esteem could be just like how you would feel if you were to do something or if you were not to do something that you don't want to do, right, uh, in the eyes of the people who you surround yourself with. Shit like that. Yeah. So to me, I was like, damn, that's deep. Right? Okay. I mean, when I'm thinking self-esteem at the time, I was ignorant to what it really meant. I'm like, I don't feel, I don't feel low about myself, you know? But it was it was deeper than that. And once I had a better understanding of that, then I started getting more involved in programs. Then uh, uh, working with um, she, what what was she? Uh, license LC licensed clinician licensed clin. She's the LCS licensed clinical social worker. I believe that is LCS. Mm-hmm. I forgot her name, but Frank Moppins was the one that um, introduced me to her, and then I started getting some training from her while at the same time uh, having one-on-one because I told her I was going to start facilitating. And then me and Frank Muffins, we started off a program, uh, a bunch of self-help programs. And it's been so long, I forgot what the hell what it was called. <laughs> yeah, so, there's a lot of programs though. So so you're doing all these programs, you're, you're doing your vocational stuff up in Lens Lab and... and uh... So what, how, how many times did you go to board before you were finally found suitable? Okay, so in 2008, I was, I was supposed to go to the board. Oh, excuse me, 2007, I was supposed to go to the board. Uh, it got postponed uh, because they didn't give me my psych report and my board report uh, in a timely fashion. And I'm thinking, okay, well, that's not my fault though, right? So why should I have to wait another year? Well, they're like, well, it's not a year, it's... Uh, the, the schedule is usually about nine months. 
like still a year, <laughs> right? So they're like, it, by law, we have to give this to you. And you just receive it now because every time you receive something from your counselor, you always have to sign that you acknowledge that you got it. There's a date, a, a time stamp on there, a date stamp. So they're like, did you get your, where's your board report? You got your board report? Like, what's, I was like, you know, I'm first time to the board. Like, what's that? What about your psych report? I was like, I didn't even know I was supposed to get that. Yeah, you're supposed to have all that. And this was my attorney asking me this, right? And then so they're like, oh, we're going to have to postpone that because you need to see what's in there so you can contest it. I'm like, you know what? That's true. That's true. I at least want to know what I'm going in there with as far as what they, you know what I mean? So we postponed it, we postponed it uh, till 2009. Excuse me. 2008 was my initial postponed until 2009. Then I got, damn, hold on, I'm confused. Hold on, 2007 postponed, 2008, I got a one-year denial. Okay, I remember now. 2008, I got a one-year denial. And then the commission was like, we normally don't give one-year denials unless you earned it. Not deserved it, but earned it. I said, okay, so keep that in mind. And if, you're on the, if you keep going on the same path you were, you're going right now, then um, you'll eventually will get a suitability. Okay, so got a winning denial. You know, I just, I was pushing hard, right? Uh, there's areas they want me to focus on, like AANA. Um, so I put, I was pushing, pushing more than they wanted me to do. So when I went in 2009, a year later, I had, uh, you know, I had a celebrity for an attorney. Her name was Tracy Lum, <laughs> right? And she was, she was like, man, she was like the girl. Everybody wanted Tracy Love, right? Everybody knew Tracy Love. So then I was, I was fortunate enough to be blessed that Tracy Love uh, was appointed to my case. And we went in there, you know, I did my part. She did her part. She had a, you know, her closing was, was awesome, right? And then uh, she even quoted the same commission that I had a year before, said that as long as I keep going the same path, that I'm gonna get a date. And she quoted him on that. I told her that too. She was, oh, I will. And when and they did deliberate, I came back. Sure enough, they they got I was found suitable for parole. And so but you... it didn't register. I'm sure that's <laughs> yeah, go ahead. The story will come out later. It it didn't it, it I hate to say it, but it, it seemed like it was too easy. Right? It seemed like it was too easy. And if you know my story already. <laughs> Right, um, I got caught with a cell phone when I was suitable. My my uh, my uh, second suitability at that. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, so yeah, so I got found suitable, and then um, I still have more time to do because I haven't met the matrix yet on my sentence, right, uh, due to the crime and the factors. So. Uh, right before the deadline, right, the, the five months deadline, uh, Schwarzenegger reversed my parole grant, which was on January uh, 2010. January 2010, he reversed it. Uh, I, you know, so I, was, I kept pushing, prepping for another board hearing. I was filing, I filed an appeal, a rate of habeas. So then, um, so while that's pending, I go back to the board in 2010, but in October, no, excuse me, September, right? 
keep in mind, the governor took my date, so I was no longer suitable. I go back to the parole board in September 2010. I get found suitable again for the second time. Right. I don't know. I might be retarded or something like that, but it still seemed like it, it came a little too easy. Right. So with that said, um, I was using a cell phone, got caught up in a raid, suitable, second time at that. And uh, I, that's when it woke, that's when it woke me up, right? Like, fuck. So I had, I was like the talk of the town. They're like, oh man, you hear what happened to Johnny Moore? Like, uh, he got caught with cell What? Like, he shouldn't be playing with his cell phone. It's true. It's true. It's true. But I'm, I'm not perfect though. I'm still human. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, I'm no angel, but I'm not no, I'm no devil either. No so, you know, I got caught up with that. I got a write up. Uh, they, 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 I eventually went back to the parole board. I had a rescission hearing. They, re, they took my date and they gave me a, a three-year denial. <laughs> so, so, no, excuse me. That was pending. The, I got caught up with a welfare team for the cell phone. That was pending. Uh, my hearings with the parole board. So, um, while that's pending, um, I end up going to the hall from the visiting room. So they gaffed me up. Me and my uh, I'll do some stuff in the visiting that you shouldn't be doing, right? Caught me on camera. They booked me. When the police came in, they were gloves. Anytime the police come in the visiting room with gloves, they're going to go get oh, somebody. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. And when you're watching that, right, then you never know. I mean, you never think it's you. Right? So when the police come in there with gloves, you know, they, they're going there. Oh, they about, to, um, they about to go get somebody right now. So me and my wife, like, who is it? Who is it? Oh, what the fuck? They coming to me. They're like coming right at me. Like, like Silas, stand up. What the? <laughs> Put your head behind your back. Like, what the fuck? Right? <laughs> so they got me for some shit I shouldn't be doing, right? So um, I go to the hole, right? Then from the hole, I, I almost went to the parole board. Luckily, they weren't there. So they said, uh, tomorrow, I got out the hole literally the day before I go back to the parole board, right? So when I go there, they were shaking their head. They're like this. <laughs> like, like, hello, hello, hello. Then when it's my turn to go in there, like, they sat down, they were talking to me, they're like, we don't know what to say right now. <clears throat> so, like, we're, this is what we're doing to you. We're trying to, here's your, here's your release date here. This is, this is your key to go home. And say, and this is what you're doing. No, nah, I don't want that. No, nah, I don't want that. We're like, no, here, man, here. Here's a key to go home. They're like, no, nah, I don't want that. Like, no, I'd rather play with a cell phone and get caught and get my day taken away. No, I'd rather have, I'd rather have uh, some inappropriate touching the visitor room. Oh, let me just go to the hole. Oh, I don't want to go home yet. I'm not ready to go home yet. They're like, we don't understand what's going through your head. Like, you need to explain to us what is going on with you because we're trying to send you home. I'm like, man, man, I don't know what to say at the time. (laughs) Right? Because come on, man. Two suitabilities, there should be no way in hell that I should be sitting in the hole. Mm -hmm. Right? There should be no reason in hell why somebody with two parole suitabilities and and at the age that I got it at, right? 
two suitability at the age that I got it at, there should be no reason why I'm sitting in the hole thinking about, damn, what the hell did you just happen? Right. So, you know, I did the best I could to explain. I went to the parole board, rescission hearing. First, we did a provision. Oh, by the way, um, I won my really hate this. I was ordered to be released by the, the governor, I mean, by the court. Mm -hmm. But because of that 115 for the phone, they had to take that away. So either, I know, man. So either or I was going to go home, but the 115 for the phone and uh, the thing in the visiting room. So then um, they gave me a three-year denial, right? They gave me three denial. Then I'm thinking, you know what? There's just no way in hell they're going to give me another date, right? Because I, there's just really no way for me to explain what's different from this time as opposed to the other two. You know what I mean? So I was like, man, what should I do? What should I do? So then uh, I'm going to do some more CBT, cognitive behavior therapy, right? Because everything's about your thinking process, you know? Uh, your, your thoughts will, you know, will, will act, you know, it's a factor in your actions. So I did a lot of that shit. I went to SAP, SAP, I did SAP for 90 days, which is a lot of CBT, which is, that's exactly what I needed. Um, so then I did all that, you know, I took down as much information and how I apply, how I could apply it to my situation and how to, to mitigate that kind of thinking. So I don't do this shit again. So when I went to the parole board there. My attorney was like, look, man. I, to, be, to be honest with you, I don't really know how to represent you. He said, because you did everything that you could possibly do above and beyond. The only thing you don't have is a, a, a Nobel Peace Prize, right? He said, you got book reports, you got essays on the phone, why you shouldn't use the phone, how it affected you, and who did it affect? And uh, there's really nothing else that you can do other than explain to them why this time you're not going to relapse like that. I'm thinking, I got some shit for that ass, <clears throat> right? So I went to the parole board. I hit it with a cognitive behavior therapy. I told him, you know, at the time, me and my wife were just, were fresh. You know, it's like a honeymoon phase. Oh, yeah, so you think it's appropriate for you, for you guys to be touching each other like that? I said, no, of course not. I said, I'm not saying this is the reason. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, saying, I'm, I'm not saying this is a valid reason. I'm just explaining to you why. And what about the cell phone? I said, well, uh, that's just something that I thought I could get away with because, I, you know, I said, you know, you know, we all know there's cell phones in prison. Yeah, it's, 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 we don't even understand how you guys can get so much of the cell phones. I'm like, I, I'm not going to comment on that, right? But they know why. They said, but we're not going to comment either. We're not in that position to do so. But it's like, what made you think that it was okay? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I said, I'm not going to lie. I, I knew it's not okay. I know it's not okay to use this phone. Then how could you even allow yourself knowing you were suitable, the second, two suitabilities you're going to get on, you use a cell phone. I said, I'm not going to lie. I said, like you said, you guys know there's a lot of cell phones. You know, you see people on cell phones all the time. You know, hours on end, they never get caught. So if I could use it for like five, 10 minutes, What's the like? What's the possibility, likelihood of me getting caught? Probably zero or none. But I was wrong. But you know, though, you know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I I never forget when I paroled. Um, so they they asked me how many 
how many phones I got caught with uh, when I was in the tank in my dress outs. And uh, I was Bro. like, yeah. I, um, God, what was his name? Black dude, heavy set dude that worked R and R forever. Um, damn, the Presley. CEO Presley. Yeah, he's Is like it Presley. Yeah, he's like he's like, hey, G man, be real, man. How how many phones you get caught with? And I said, you want to know for real? And he's like, yeah. And I go, you want to know on paper or off of paper? And he's like, both. And I was like, oh, um, on paper three. He's like, how many off? I was like, man, like nine. <laughs> It's like, damn, and I'm like, I, you know, and then um, there was some other CO down there, and he was like, that's bull. I don't know how you guys be bringing that back through visiting. I'm like, hey, man, look at your lunch bag. Without y'all, there's no me. I was like, I ain't never brought nothing back from visiting, nothing. So I don't know what you're talking about. And you it's, can't, and you can't either. Nah, not no phone. You might be able to bring some little shit back, but you ain't gonna mm. bring no fall. <laughs> yeah, because they were talking about the shit that I read about that. They're talking about our business going through um, the visiting room. There's just no way in hell. Nope. Unless you got it like that. Yeah, you, yeah. That, I don't and, think, and that's gonna be yeah, through a hookup. Like I, I, I hardly, yeah. that's what I'm saying. I, I, I hardly believe that because as, as much as that there is out there, in there like that, there's just no, it's just no way in hell. Yeah. But they know though. They just don't want to point the fingers at their own. So. Yeah. Yeah. So. So, so they, uh, they, they, um, the way I was asking the questions, right? Um, he wasn't happy with it. He said, "How did you feel when you got caught with the phone?" I said, "I was highly disappointed myself that I put myself." He goes, look, man, this is the most important hearing of your life. So how did you feel? Were you scared? Were you happy? Were you smiling? I said, of course not. I wasn't smiling. I was, I was scared that I was going to get my day taken. Didn't say that. Okay. I, so he was like coaching me, right? <laughs> he was coaching me. Like they wanted to find me suitable, but I had to help them too. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So like, tell me that then. Tell me you were scared. I was, I was scared I was going to get my parole day taken. Okay. Okay. I was like, Okay, sir. <laughs> right? So, so what was your thought? I was like, I couldn't believe this happened. Like, how could I be so stupid? Stupid is an understatement. That was a bonehead move. I was like, you're right. Of course I'm right. We shouldn't even be here right now. I was like, you're right. Of course. I was like, damn. <laughs> they killing me on that hearing. Right? I had Ms. Turner. Ms. Turner was a deputy commissioner at the time who would only focus on your post-conviction uh, program. And then the commission is the one that focuses on your crime and not the, pretty much the one that grills you. Uh, so now that she was a commissioner, she was grilling on, on that. And then so I eventually, uh, after that, I eventually uh, was given another suitability for the third time. And they said, we don't want to see you again. Like you, you will not see me again. Trust me on that. And that's when it sunk in, right? Because I could have went home in 2010. I didn't. I'd wait four more years. And uh, and that's just one part of the journey. There's another journey after I got parole. So because, I do. I, oh, I do I got parole because I, didn't, I do. 
I do want to throw out there real quick, though, because I don't think a lot of people get this, like, because people are probably listening going, oh, yeah, man, you deserve to, you know, do more time and all that stuff. But at that time, right, because uh, I got caught with plenty of cell phones, right, a cell phone write-up was the equivalent out here of getting, like, a speeding ticket, right? Like, you could get it off your record right. by going to traffic school. Like, same in prison. Like, you don't get another write-up for six months. You don't lose any time, and it's basically null and void. So putting it in that perspective, so should someone who's already done the amount of time they need to do lose that ability? And I'm not saying that John should have been paroled even after he got caught with a cell phone, but honestly, we have to look at the system and say, should he have been denied if that was the only reason to deny him? So I just want to put that out there because I don't think people get that, that you have lifers that do, like you said, four extra years, which you wouldn't have got the the thing in visiting if they just honored the original date. You know what I mean? So, all right. So you're suitable. What happens next? Well, just to touch up on that too, Tito, is because um, lifers are held to a different standard of, uh, you know, when it comes to RBRs, rule violation reports, mm-hmm. or CDC 115s, or 115s, right? Um, for you guys, non-lifers, right, uh, it's, you, you'll lose 90 days at the most. And at the time, you were able to get that back. Mm-hmm. Uh, they stopped that. But still, though, as a non-lifer with a cell phone, you lose 90 days. As, as a lifer, you will lose at least at the time because they changed the parole deniability years, at least three and up to 15 at the time. Years. Uh, like a brother Banger. Remember Banger? Mm-hmm. They hit him with a 15-year denial cell phone. And I was like, man. And you know, th- when you go back in 15 years, if you're lucky to go even sooner, hoping he does, they're not going to give you from 15 to a suitability. You're going to have to break that down. Oh, come back in seven. After yep. seven, come back in three. Oh, give us another three. Four more three. Then at that time, you already pushed like 50 years in the system. So I was like, damn, right? So uh, I, I was given the best in the situation that I was in with a three-year. But I pushed, though. I even, there was even a, a, a program uh, called Caught Online that I took for people who got caught with a cell phone. So I, I just wanted to make sure I had all my bases covered when I went back to the parole board, that there's right. absolutely nothing for them to say that I haven't done yet. So I did that, and I was uh, uh, fortunate enough to get uh, another suitability. Yeah. So from there on out, there was a question about when I was going to get out, because I knew at the time in 2010, I didn't have enough time in for my matrix. So then when I, was, when I um, sent a kite or a note to uh, records, they didn't even know when I was going to get out. So I'm like, every day I'm like, damn, what am I getting out? What am I getting out? So then uh, Dave, um, white boy, white, bro, he worked in R&R. He was in Lens Lab with us. I don't know if you remember him. Tall, kind of skinny. He, worked at, he didn't go to R&R, but then he told me he came over to the uh, dorm in 13 going. He said, hey, Johnny, your um, INS is picking you up. ISIS picking you up on uh, Wednesday. And man, I was like hella nervous, happy I'm getting out of prison, but nervous that I'm going through ICE. But I said, fuck it, I'm out of prison. You know what I mean? That's all that matters. 
They're like, but you know, you go to county jail. I said, I don't give. A, I said, I don't give a damn. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to prison, right? At least, at least I know that if I choose to fight, then I'll be in there for a while. If I don't choose to fight, I'll be out like in ninety days. Yeah. So I was happy to go. I was happy to go to jail to deal with ICE instead of being in prison. So, uh, yeah, they finally came and they got me. Uh, Abru was working. I couldn't sleep that night. It was like uh, one of like the longest days of my life. One of them. Quite a few of them, actually. Um, yeah, so when I went to r and R, I forgot her name. Miss Lopez, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, or she said, Salas, you know where you're going, right? I said, yeah, I used to pick me up. She goes, okay, just make sure you know. I was like, do I get my gay pass? Oh, of course, you do not. Right? I, don't get my, I don't get my $200 gay pass money, which they do to non-lifers. Mm-hmm. So INS was there. And I'm thinking INS, right, they'll have, like, ICE uniform, whatever. It wasn't even that. It was the security guards for ICE, right? I think it's G something for GS something, right? All right. So that wraps up part two, a very long part. The next one is shorter, I do promise. So John went over a lot of stuff in this part of the interview, talking a lot about prison. Uh, we actually shared a few stories together. Um I I was lucky enough to be um, afforded that opportunity to visit him before he paroled and write support letters. Um, John and I um, became very good and best friends uh, while we were cellmates and and basically from there on. Uh, He's a great individual who has really changed his life. Um, So please, um, you know, Say a prayer for him that he can be reunited with his wife sometime soon and maybe come back here to the United States. But we'll jump more into that part of the story next. Anyway, I hope you're safe. I hope you're healthy. Go ahead and drop that like comment and please share this downloaded. Um, let more people know about this so that we can get that awareness out there for our returning citizens. Thank you as always and have a great day.